Hey everyone, welcome to the Christ and Coffee podcast. I'm Jeremy. This is my good friend Haig, and we are reconnecting after last week talking about uh, narcissism, a pretty painful, uh, difficult topic to walk through and talk about. And uh, this week we're turning to a new topic. We're going to talk about the nasty little F word, forgiveness. Um, we are uh, in a season uh, together, Haig and I, of exploring this uh, Christian practice of forgiveness. Uh, it's deeply embedded and deeply rooted in uh, what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And so we're going to explore that a little bit today. And um, I think the, the, bus, the best place to start is that, that foundational little saying that we always throw around, uh, forgive and forget. That's what forgiveness is all about, Haig, isn't it? forgiveness and forgetting about it yeah i get into trouble all the time when i say forgive and forget it's not in the bible and uh you have to be careful what do you mean by forget um now i'm not against uh the idea of um uh, not holding what happened and like maybe making it a distant memory but oftentimes when people practically speaking say forgive and forget they really mean i'm not going to deal with the hurt that i just experienced I'm going to shove it down in my subconscious and forget that it's even there. But the reality is it's there. And if you don't walk through the steps of forgiveness, all you're doing is causing damage for yourself in the future. Uh, You're going to let bitterness and anger and rage uh, take over. Uh, So, and just like theologically speaking, there's scripture passages where it talks about God not remembering sin. Uh, But there isn't really that caveat of forgive and forget when we're commanded to forgive. Uh, and I just want to stress that this is a commandment in the Bible from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says after the Lord's prayer in the gospel of Matthew, uh, if you do not forgive uh, other people, the father won't forgive you. That's like harsh reality. He says this right after he teaches the Lord's prayer in the sermon of the Mount. And, uh, and we have to be careful not to take forgiveness to mean forgetfulness. Uh, because it's really not forgiveness. Forgiveness is a painful thing to do. Uh, It is difficult and you cannot forget about hurt. Um, uh, Another cliche catchphrase that bothers me too is time heals all wounds. I I don't believe that either. Time heals all wounds and forgive and forget are not in the Bible. What are your thoughts? (laughs) Yeah, I, um, yeah, I, I mean, just to piggyback up what you said with the, in, in regard to forgive and forget. Uh, yeah, that idea of forgetfulness kind of, it depends on what you mean by it, right? Like if by forget, you mean just like, like you said, just move on without processing the hurt and the pain um, that somebody's caused you. That's not, you know, really forgiveness. That's just kind of like repression, you know, that's the fancy word um, that we put to it. And, and all that means is you just shove in emotions and you shove in all the hurt and pain and repress it. You don't let it kind of bubble up and you don't speak to it and you don't let it heal. So um, the healing of forgiveness happens when you actually take all of that hurt and process it and then are able to um, move to a place where you can actually um, wish well to the, the person who has hurt you. Um, or at least not harbor the anger and the bitterness. And, um, you know, those are, those are emotions and those are, um, 
virtues, the, uh, not really virtues, I guess those are the opposite of virtues, but those are things that will harbor anger that develops into hate for another person. And so I think uh, the end result of not forgiving is to eventually um, harbor hate for another individual. Um, I don't know, would you agree with that? Um, yeah, I mean, you can't love and hate the same person at the same time. So um, I think forgiveness is ultimately anchored in the virtue of love, um, wishing some someone what's best for them, even if they don't deserve it. So when Jesus gives the commands of loving your neighbor and loving your enemy, it's the same command. It's just one has hurt you and the other one has right. probably not done that. So right, right. It's, it's, and you can't operate in love and hate at the same time. It just doesn't work that way. Right. So, um, so forgiveness would be embedded in the Christian practice and virtue of love, whereas something like vengeance would be kind of embedded in this, uh, this anti-practice of hate. Um, would you equate the opposite of forgiveness as vengeance? Um, yes. And, 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 and certain degrees, um, because when you, when you, well, I think it, forgiveness allows vengeance to belong to God and not to you. So the act of forgiving is saying, I'm going to let God judge this. I'm just going to be obedient and trust that God is the judge and not me. So oftentimes when we get hurt, we want to play the role of judge and we want justice to take place because there is something about justice being broken with forgiveness that mm -hmm. legitimizes our anger. I think that's an important thing to stress here. We're not saying that uh, forgiveness means to to just like ignore that injustice happened. Hmm. Going back to forgive and forget. When we say we forgive, we're acknowledging that there was this specific injustice, uh, the specific sin, which people don't want to talk about as actual hmm. things. Um, but sin is a reality. Uh, so to forgive properly, you need to call sin for sin. And acknowledge that this person or this people or this circumstance caused this specific sin to enter into my life. I'm going to call it for what it is. I'm going to process the emotions behind the hurt that this caused. And instead of uh, harboring the hurt and shoving it down in my subconscious or, or in the bottom of my uh, soul, I'm going to, in this moment, choose to forgive and bless those who hurt me mm. um this is so vital to the christian life um i would say if prayer is like dribbling a basketball confession may be like shooting a basketball forgiveness is passing it is so foundational to living a christian lifestyle uh and it, it should not be overlooked this is a daily practice otherwise there's nothing spectacular about being a christian if forgiveness is not part of the lifestyle of, of, of a Christian. It, but again, it does not mean that I'm ignoring sin. It's I am choosing to understand that God has forgiven me in Jesus Christ and Jesus commands me to go forgive. I'm going to go forgive and I'm going to trust that God is going to be the one who judges. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, if you just like, if you back up a little bit to what you said earlier, that, um, one of the criticisms of forgiveness is rooted in a misunderstanding of forgiveness. Mm -hmm. And I, I think one of the, one of the critical uh, looks at forgiveness is this idea that forgiveness just 
Christian forgiveness means that we just become sort of like naive doormats or we just let things go too easily or we let injustice kind of go along and say, well, what are we going to do? Just forgive and forget. And that's a really anemic, uh, really unchristian way of looking at forgiveness if, if I'm it's, able to go that far. It's a very passive um, form. It's not an active form. This is a very active thing to do. Yeah. 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 And I think, I think uh, if you look at some of the, if you look at some of the like Psalms in the Psalter, um, this is connected kind of to um, what we call lament Psalms. But in, in, in the Old Testament and the Psalter, there's these Psalms where the psalmist is just crying out and saying, these are all the things that have been done wrong. And I'm really upset at it. And I'm really angry. And oftentimes even the psalmist will, will aim at God and say, God, I don't really even understand why you're allowing this to happen. And I'm actually angry. <laughs> I'm angry yeah. at you and I'm angry at these people. And I'm upset. And it, it airs the frustration. It vo- voices the disappointment and at times even um says things uh, about the people the enemies that they're facing that are antagonistic but then it offers it up, offers it up to god and says in a way um you handle it i think that's the best way to approach that kind of anger and that like to process those emotions or to sort of offer it up to god and um to not hide them and repress those those feelings and those emotions of of disappointment and frustration and hurt but to actually offer them up and vocalize them to god and then to one another to to brothers and sisters in your community who you are safe to be vulnerable with and and to process them um and then from that place from a place of actually wanting justice done um being able to forgive because you've processed it you've handed over to god and um, I think it's in Romans where, and it's a quote from the Old Testament, I believe from one of the Psalms, but vengeance is the Lord's, right? Yeah. Um, I think it's also the the big quote that's in the Count of Monte Cristo. And, um, what's one that? Of the, the, the themes of uh, vengeance belonging to the Lord um, after someone's been wronged. Um, it, yeah, that's the conclusion, right? It's, it's, it's this, 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 this very disturbing thing to to continue these cycles of vengeance uh if it then the cycles will continue so if you wrong me uh, i'm gonna wrong, i'm gonna hit you back and then the these cycles of war and conflict happen and family levels societal levels yeah forgiveness breaks these cycles because we're trusting that god is going to be the one who judges what is right and wrong he's going to expose the just and the unjust he will bring rain on the just and the unjust um but my job is to break the cycles of you hit me i hit you back right right but that's, I guess that's also looking at it from a different perspective of if we withhold forgiveness, what does that do, right? What does right. that do to others? What does that do to our relationship with ourself? Um, I, I think, I think like you said, this perpetuation of uh, violence and a perpetuation of um, just vengeance and taking what's what's good for us at the cost of others will just lead us down to a place where there is no genuine authentic relationship with the other. We just kind of see other people as competitors or see other people as potential enemies. And that's where Jesus is disrupting that system um, and saying, you know, to love your enemies, to actually break that pattern and instead uh, find this radical forgiveness that 
uh, you offer your other cheek to them. <laughs> you offer your other. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to remember that this isn't just something Jesus tells his disciples to do, but it's embodied in, in the life and practice of Jesus in the Gospels. Yep. Um, when, when Jesus says in Luke to turn the other cheek and to give your cloak to the, to the one who asks you to walk an extra mile and all those things, it's, he's, he's, he embodies it when he goes to the cross at the end of the gospel. He does all the things that he tells his disciples to do and embodies it for them to live into. So forgiveness is rooted in the very ministry and practice of Jesus and yeah. Jesus' disciples, if they if they are truly disciples of Jesus, will aim to practice that kind of forgiveness and that kind of um, embodied love for one another, even yeah. the enemy. Yeah, and then and just practically speaking, all the great movements in the 19th, uh, 20th century uh, are based on this nonviolence resistant movement, which is anchored in these teachings uh, straight from Luke. Uh, Leo Tolstoy wrote a book about it, The Kingdom of Heaven is Within You, and this was one of Gandhi's favorite books, and he just radically applied what, is in there like let's right. not repay evil for evil let's resist the evil doer right uh, mlk the pastor uh again and segregation by radically applying this mm -hmm. then you have um uh healing taking place in south africa and rwanda after the great mm -hmm. evils there um mm -hmm. uh, literally calling movements with forgiveness reconciliation um uh, right. One of my favorite quotes about this is from, I think it's usually attributed to him. I don't know if he exactly said it, but Nelson Mandela setting, um, uh, like unforgiveness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. Hmm. Interesting. That's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, that's actually a, the, the whole movement in, um, South Africa, South Africa. I can't speak to it like comprehensively. I obviously don't, I haven't researched it well enough, but, um, I think that whole, the whole system they put in place to address the conflict of apartheid um, with Desmond Tutu helping that, who's himself a uh, clergy and Anglican priest, um, they put together a, I think it's called, I think it was called the Reconciliation and Truth Committee. Mm -hmm. Is that right? I believe so. Yeah. And, um, and it's interesting. <laughs> It's interesting that um, from what I've read, one of the things that made that whole thing, that whole council, that whole program um, so successful was the fact that they had um, public hearings, that they had the people who were uh, the victims and the people who were the offenders stand in a, in a room together and face each other and do exactly what we're talking about. Um, air the frustration, air the hate, air the cost to family, the cost of life, the cost economically, all of the pain and costs were, were kind of voiced and aired. Everybody heard what had happened and the victim and the offender really had to come to a place where they understood one another. And um, I just, I find that, you know, a huge testament, like you're saying, like that this forgiveness thing holds a power of healing, of transformation for not just individuals, but for whole nations and systems and structures that are set up um, in opposition to to God and to one another. Yeah, I mean, I, I, as I'm growing more and more in the faith, it, like these are just principles to apply and they will benefit anyone regardless of what they believe or their belief system. Um, and then I'm, I'm, I love the inner logic of a lot of the, the, the teachings of Jesus because it's just like it has these ramifications. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. I, 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 I do want to bring up another kind of like, uh, I guess, misunderstanding about forgiveness. Uh, 
sometimes when people throw the word forgiveness around, they assume that automatically leads to reconciliation, which is not the case. Hmm. So you could forgive someone who doesn't own up to their sin, doesn't confess their sin. You could forgive someone who's no longer with you. So say if you're, you had an awful parent or someone who hurt you, who no longer exists, you could still forgive them. Uh, and you could also forgive someone who, who con- even continues to hurt you. Uh, forgiveness is a one-way interaction. Reconciliation is a two-way interaction where the person who, per- who, who committed the crime or acted in the sinful act is like genuinely sorry for what they did, owns up to the sin, and wants to change. Hmm. When both happen, you have reconciliation. Right, right. Now, right. This- I think, I think uh, the aim of forgiveness, the hope of forgiveness is reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that that's the frame around which we talk about forgiveness. Is forgiveness can be a potentially one-way road. Um, just a caveat there, what you said about forgiving somebody who still aims or wants hurt towards you, there is a wisdom to forgiveness that doesn't allow yourself to be continuously hurt by that person. Right. The Bible says like, forget, like when Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive? Seven times or Jesus like 77 times. Yeah. Yeah. Lifestyle you lead. But if you are in a circumstance where you're constantly allowing yourself to be sinned in, this is where the boundary comes in. Right. Right. There's a, there's a wisdom to how you apply forgiveness. Like I always find it interesting that Jesus says, pray for your enemies, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is to say, like, there is a sense of learn to break that boundary down and practice forgiveness, even at a distance, so that potentially down the line, you may even be able to embody that forgiveness face to face with your enemy. Yeah. But, um, but there is definitely a wisdom that knows the boundaries to not place yourself um, intentionally at the at the harm of somebody over and over again there is a sort of wisdom to it otherwise you're sort of uh perpetuating that sin or or um at worst and sort of enabling the other person yeah yeah but i cut you off i'm sorry you were saying something yeah so like um so like on the cross jesus says forgive them for they do not know what they're doing he's forgiving us um i'm a thousand percent believe that god forgives it's like available mm-hmm. uh but this is where uh the human agency is important like i need to understand that i have i'm part of the system of injustice and the cycles of unholiness and sin um i'm part of the problem god is offering his forgiveness um and i have to own up to my crime of sin Lord, I need your forgiveness. I need your sacrifice to wash me clean of my sin. So in my act of confessing my sin and asking the person who I'm ultimately offending, which is God, um, I need uh, to come clean. Uh, God's forgiveness is available for me. He's already forgiven, but I have to access it so I could be reconciled. So, so like when I preach, I talk about sin, but the goal of preaching is to understand, like the message is that God forgives us in Jesus Christ. Now it's up to you to want to be reconciled with the forgiveness he offers. And that same principle applies uh, on the, on our end. So it, it, I can or cannot choose forgiveness, but uh, if that person doesn't acknowledge they have done something wrong, 
it's really hard to be properly reconciled. It could be a fake reconciliation. It could be not a true reconciliation. If, if the other person doesn't own up to what they've done and the, other, and the other person who was the victim needs to really choose forgiveness. Uh, so, so both are needed for reconciliation, but you can still forgive when the other party does not right. Uh, right, own right, up right. to the, the sin. And, right. And I think this is another point I want to bring up too, is um, forgiveness is an act of the will. It's not a feeling or it's not even really a rational decision. It's a choice. Uh, I actually, when I counsel people, when I have prayer time with people, if, if they tell me like, yeah, I feel like forgiving, forgiveness is the best thing in the world. I'm like, maybe you're not really understanding what we're doing here. It's a, but, but the good news is if, if forgiveness is not based, if you feel like it or not, part of the reasons why you're feeling so messed up is because someone really sinned against you. But the way to fix the feelings is to choose forgiveness. Yeah. And it's so important because uh, this is connected to uh, a lot of our misconceptions of what biblical love is. Mm-hmm. Too often we base love on feeling. Love is ultimately a choice and acts of love should lead to feelings of love, not feelings of love should lead to acts of love. Right. Uh, and that's where if we let feelings uh, dictate our choices, we're not on our toes. We're not living a Christian life. We're just letting life happen. But we have to constantly choose to forgive, choose to love, choose to do what's right, uh, uh, to live this life of, 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 of being who God wants us to be. Right. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, I, I agree with you in principle there. I think just in general, the, um, and I know you already, I know you already are on board with this, but I just like to make the, the point of clarification that those two are not necessarily mutually exclusive that like, uh, you know, feelings and decision are actually, um, united in, in who we are like, mm-hmm. and there's, um, when we, when we make, um, a decision to do something, it's rooted in historic, uh, feelings of appreciation or comfort in those decisions we're making and vice versa. When we make a decision, it invites feelings to be uploaded into us as we engage in that decision. So love is not primarily either, uh, uh, just a decision or just a feeling it's this this holistic experience where um i am making a decision and that decision is based in um both uh feelings and will and uh, historic relationships i've had in the past all the way to now where it invites even new experiences and new relationships to form and new uh potential feelings to be uploaded um I think that's just um, that's just a more holistic picture of of love um, that we find in the Bible. That language of love in the Bible is that Greek word agape, and agape is certainly that self-giving love towards another person. That's what the definition of of love is in the Bible. I give myself to another person. That's a decision. That's a that's a it has feelings involved. It has a uh, all sorts of different other elements that are involved in doing just that. But, um, but it's a very like complex, um, multivocal experience, um, to love somebody else in that way. And then you trickle it down to, cause if we said love is sort of the big picture and then one of the subsets of love is this act of forgiveness. Um, the same is true there too. Um, we can't just talk about feeling like forgiveness. It has to also be this decision that we make and it has to also be 
um, sort of set as an encouraged practice within a community. I think that's something that we uh, struggle with, especially in the way we've conceptualized church in the West. Like church is somewhere I go to get a message. Uh, I go to get the goods of Jesus and then I leave. And if I got the goods, then I'm set for the week. And if I didn't get the goods, I haven't been nourished. <laughs> that whole concept of, of church, I think, is kind of... Um, lacking i think the sense of having a church community that um supports you in learning how to do the the life of christian discipleship the life of love and forgiveness and grace um coming to a community where you are being equipped to actually practice the virtue of forgiveness as well as all the other christian practices that we're called to, to practice um I don't know, I'm going on a little rant here, but I really think that that's, that's the, one of the missing pieces to us practicing meaningful forgiveness is that we don't have a community of support called the church that really encourages us to live that out and supports us in that journey. Do you think that's a little harsh? Or no, think no, I think it's accurate. I think um, the moment there's unforgiveness in the church or unconfessed sin in the church, you prevent the Holy Spirit from being God in the church. God can't like operate when there's like these, the sin problems still remaining, whether it's sin committed against or sin that you committed. Uh, Jesus died to, to clean this mess up. He gave us the ability to uh, receive his forgiveness and the ability to forgive because the cross ultimately is the power of forgiveness over sin. And I, I think you're not too harsh at all. Um, I would even take it a little harsher. Um, like, Every church says, says the Lord's Prayer. Our tradition, we sing the Lord's Prayer every week. It says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And how many people sing those words and don't mean it? Right. Uh, and just think about that. I, I think, like, I'll, I'll, I'll up the offense. I will even say, like, don't say that prayer if you don't mean it. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's harsh. But, but I mean, I think we have to understand that how, how important this is for our spirituality. Right. We do not have this forgiveness in us. Like we undermine so much of the teachings of Jesus, but not only what he taught, but what he ultimately accomplished for us. Right, right, right. I think it's interesting too, that you name it in the, like the Lord's prayer, like the thing that we pray every week in our tradition, in Armenian, we call it the Hadmed. It's fascinating that it's woven into the prayer like that. Like if, if you, if you back up and look at the prayer, it's like, it's a, it's a prayer for God's kingdom to come to arrive amongst us that we'd be provided for taking care of. And then one of the very first things after that prayer of supplication is to be forgiven as we forgive others. Right. And, and it's like, it's central. It's at the heart of what it means to be a part of, um, this kingdom that God is bringing into the world. It's this forgiveness. And, and it's interesting, I think, to, you know, I think sometimes, I think sometimes the church gets a bad rap for being particularly unforgiving, but I, I don't find forgiveness to be a huge virtue in our society and culture. Like, um, That's a good point. If, if tolerance is like the virtue of our culture it's not really very tolerant i mean there's a there's a sense of like an i mean 
a total lack of forgiveness. I mean, when, when people do wrong in the public sphere, it doesn't even matter if it was like recent or like decades ago. Right. People are annihilated for it. Right. Um, and there's a sense in which like it used to be you could actually go in front of a screen <laughs> and like you'd have that uncomfortable press conference where somebody gets in front of the TV and, you know, makes a confession to the whole world that they did something wrong. And now it doesn't even happen anymore. Twitter just like annihilates you. <laughs> you right, consigned, right. You're consigned to flames. You have like no life. You can't get hired. You're done. You're toast. Right. And it's a very unforgiving society that we live in at the moment. I mean, probably for most of most of our lives. Yeah, but it's like a whole next level of it because of the trolls behind the screen could just go after go after you. I mean, uh, you, you, there's no like human connection to the person you're throwing stones at here. Right, right. Um, and there's an also there's a what I call how aboutism, <laughs> uh-huh. where like you can condemn somebody. And then instead of receiving the criticism, there's just a, yeah, well, how about when so-and-so did this? Or how about when such-and-such said this? Or, and so it's this constant avoiding of even the potential for forgiveness or the potential for overcoming the conflict because we can just pull up uh, another example of something else and do you know mental gymnastics to get around yeah. processing it and actually getting to the place where we forgive and heal. So forgiveness is, is, is a rare gem to find in the world that we live in at the moment. Absolutely. And there's a fake hypocrisy of uh, assuming that, no, no, we're just a tolerant society. We accept everyone's opinion. Well, you should. That's great. But the word tolerance implies that, like, I'm going to tolerate this opinion that I disagree with. I'm going to be able to tolerate it, even though it's going to cause me pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now if, if the, if you're intolerant, if you cause pain or you're that weird voice, that's not part of the, the mainstream, uh, instead of tolerating that, it's going to be in that. Now I'm going to shut this person off. So you're right. really not tolerating the inconvenience. You're trying to avoid the inconvenience. And we kind of live in a culture where there's this hypocrisy of the intolerance of tolerance right. and it's across the board. Uh, there's different versions of it within the church. There's different uh, versions of it in the right and the left. And part of social media, I read this, uh, my friend read this article that he was telling me about. Um, because of social media, because of, uh, of, of how isolated and lonely we're getting uh, as a society, uh, the people on the internet, they could find their own tribe and just stick with their tribe. Mm-hmm. So there's not these you can't, you're not in settings anymore. Uh, like when you graduate college, uh, like where you're really surrounded by people who are really different from you. Right. And, you, and if, right. You, if you can't be having conversations with people who are really different than you, you're not building your tolerance level. Right. Um, right. And you're not really being uh, understanding of differences uh, or understanding what, what is true or not true. Um, if there is such a thing, then part of the, the problem with, with forgiving is we, we also live in a culture where we don't uh, want to acknowledge that there are things like sin in this world and uh, how there, that's an offensive claim to make. Uh, but it's hard to really forgive or to really understand people if you don't have concepts of this is my truth or your truth. Let me understand you. Okay, I understood you. I strongly fundamentally disagree with you, but I'm still going to love you. Right. Um, 
And, and we, we just lost that ability. Uh, everything wow. is in sound bites. Everything is just throwing darts at each other. Um, and people just love throwing stones at celebrities. Uh, we, we're in a really weird culture. Uh, I think this has always been in the human heart, but just the internet technology kind yeah. of like takes us to the next level. Yeah. So two, I mean, two things. One, like the word tolerance, personally, I've never liked, not because I don't, not because I'm particularly intolerant, but tolerance to me is not an aim to achieve. Love is an aim to achieve. Right. right? So, so I don't want to just tolerate my neighbor. I want to love my neighbor. Right. And, and tolerance has a sort of like uh, connotation that I'm just going to, you know, uh, get along with you and keep you at arm's distance. Um, but to really be able to um, not necessarily agree with a different viewpoint, but at least understand the viewpoint yeah. and empathize with the person. Empathy is what we're lacking for the most part, yes. I think. Yeah. Um, but to be able to empathize with the person and to still connect with the person, maintain relationship with the person, I, I, I find that to be uh, also missing. Um, so, so for me, I, I don't use the word tolerance very often because I don't find it terribly helpful. Love is, is the aim. And within that sort of vague term, you can fill in the details of, well, if Jesus called me to love my enemy, I'm pretty sure he didn't mean hate the people I disagree with. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah um, a, that's a great point. Um, and then the other thing that I, I, you know, that concept of just uh, sort of, what's the word? retreating i guess to your your little shell or to your little community that you agree with i mean to some extent we all have our we all do that right there's this um social theory term called oh it's escape oh select selective exposure theory um which basically says um in order to maintain an even keel in the world if anything disagrees with me and and it actually like threatens the way that i construct the world then instead of allowing that thing to mess with my worldview and my perspective, I just go to something I'm familiar with and reinforce it rather than allow something to be absorbed into me that's cognitively dissonant or that's just like unfamiliar to me. So you always go to the same news feed or you always go to the same community of people or you always go to the same whatever it is. to You buy the same product because you know that they're always going to be great and you shut every other product out, whatever it looks like. So we all do that to some extent, but I think what's different is just as you nailed it, like perfectly nailed it on the head. Um, we have access to so much data that allows us to find whatever we want to support our own perspective. Like we are so, I mean, I, I really think we're at a point where you can find any theory about anything you want to support your angle and your perspective. Like right. that's how much information is out there. And I don't think that um, that helps the situation. I really think it worsens it that, that we just can support whatever harebrained idea we want to come up with, with some internet troll out there in the middle of nowhere. And then yep. all of a sudden, you know, Hey, we're justified. Look at this article I read. It's like, right. Right. And then there's this other problem going back to either judging people or forgiving people. Um, like that's really the alternative. You either play judge or you show grace. And mm -hmm. uh, too often, like we like to put people in categories like, oh, this person is this theological leaning or this person belongs to this denomination. Therefore, they must be this. Right. That's not always the case. Um, right. you're, you're Armenian. Right. Therefore, you must love 
a kebab, but you might be a vegetarian for all I know. Like yeah. it, it varies. Uh, that's why it's so important to always constantly be like showing empathy, showing love, uh, and not being passive about it, but getting to know people, their opinions, their belief systems, and just like right. being present with them and, and understand who they are as best as you're able to. Right. Um, right. But but it, but I love it. Like like you said, we, the Bible does not call us to be tolerant of other people. It actually calls us to love other people. And there's a big difference. Toler tolerance is a passive form. Love is the active form of true tolerance. Um, right. Right. And it's a, it's so important for forgiveness uh, that it's not a passive thing. Uh, it has to be an active choice. Right. Um, so so you're 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 getting your uh, family uh, and marriage th therapy degree, masters. Um, Say you're you're counseling someone and and there there's like a fight between a couple or or just someone has hurtful feelings about their dad or something, like how how do you how do you walk that person through forgiveness practically? Like what 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 steps would you take or what what are like the clinical non Christian language to talk about this stuff? Because I know. That, uh, yeah, I mean we've we've hit we've hit most of the marks. I mean putting clinical language to it, I guess, is well, somewhat helpful, but it's more kind of trade language that people would use for like diagnosis and stuff like that. So I don't know that the clinical language for it is, is terribly helpful, but, but practically, I mean, it's, it's fascinating how uh, deeply rooted most of these um, counseling and therapy terms are in like Christian virtues and practices. Like what we're talking about is very, very similar to what you do in, in therapy with somebody who's processing conflict and processing uh, hurtful feelings towards another person. I mean, it, it, it takes being able to vocalize that truth because most couples and most family members, um, most individuals uh, won't share the fact that they're actually upset with somebody. They do the repression thing that we talked about earlier and that just harbors bitterness and anger and then a lack of empathy. I mean, if you really want to lose any sense of, you know, care and empathy for another person, then the best place to go is to harbor bitterness towards that person, right? Like you yeah, just, it's a default. It's a default. So if, if you don't process it, then, um, then it's going to be dangerous. And then getting them, getting uh, people who are at odds with one another to come to a point where they um, vocalize it to one another um, and listen to one another. That's something that um, I think you've worked on. We've talked about this. Um, we both use a, um, it's a uh, kind of an assessment tool um, and a feedback tool called Prepare and Rich. We use it for premarital counseling and marital counseling. I love, love that program. It's, yeah, it's it gives you data to just like go straight to what you need to talk about. Yeah, it's a great program. Um, and I also just, uh, just out of side note, I just did a, I just read a whole research article on um, validity and reliability on it. So it's actually pretty well researched, but anyway um that's great <laughs> like it's yeah. been going on for like 30 years right 20 years yeah yeah and it's a really it's a really great tool um for feedback at least um but anyways point being one of the things that it emphasizes in that in that program is uh active listening it's just a simple um simple uh, we call it an intervention but it's just a tool to use with couples where um you ask them to process what one another has said back and forth to each other. And, and then in that there's a, there's a sense of being heard by one another. And, and so when you're asking for forgiveness with the other partner, then there's a sense of, you know, needing to vocalize, Hey, you hurt me. 
and this is what, how it hurt. And then asking the other person to say, now, what did you hear from that? How did, how did you hurt her? What, what is she communicating or what is he communicating to you? So that's one kind of practical move to just to start to air the conversation, to get it out in the open and shed light on the fact that forgiveness is needed. Um, but it's a process. It's not like a, it's not like, you know, it's, it's not a simple five steps to, you know, forgiving your partner or forgiving the other. Um, it's a long journey that, that takes different time for different people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think the bigger the grievance, the, the longer it'll take to fully forgive. Right. Um, a lot of my knowledge on this or like the pragmatic steps on the knowledge of this comes from uh, one of my professors uh, at Alliance Seminary, Rob Reamer's book, Soul Care. He has a whole chapter on forgiveness. And in there, he, he talks about the five gallon analogy. Um, forgiveness on like begins the, the, the draining of the gallons. Um, uh, so like you could forgive someone and then maybe like six months later, a year later, there's still those feelings of resentment. Right. Or, it's okay. Then you just go back to it. You process the emotion, you figure out what, what's, what still is causing this. What, it, what, it, what about it is like uh, about me that I'm, putting into that situation um okay but i'm still gonna choose to forgive pray blessing upon the person who hurt me um drain 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 it uh drain drain that 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 bitterness and hurt from my soul um and like you said like i think too most of the time the people who hurt us the most are the people closest to us and uh, uh that's why it's so important to have these therapy sessions counseling sessions because it's provides that opportunity for someone to get in tune with their emotion, process the hurt, figure out if it's actually hurt, right. and then getting to the point of choosing to forgive and then giving it to God and praying blessing to the person who wronged you. And it's often going to look really ugly. Like it's not going to be super clean of like, hey, we had a 45-minute session and yeah. we're starting to process it and we're good. It, it may at times look like, you know, couples not being able to work it out for a while and separating, it may look like um, spending time for years uncovering all the hurt, you know, like it's not a very simple fix. It's something that takes time in in different contexts, like you said, depending on the hurt. I mean, obviously, um, negative comments towards the spouse are not going to take as much time to heal as, you know, an emotional affair or a physical affair like those are different different beasts right. to tackle so um but but the process the principles behind it all are somewhat similar but may take different application and different uh different angles throughout the process of forgiveness yeah, but but whatever the the depth or the the specific thing or the incident it all begins with the choice of choosing to forgive Right. And sometimes, and sometimes getting to the place to choose that takes time. Yeah. Right. Like it's, you know, cause you, you don't, you don't want a false, you don't want a false notion of it. Right. Right. You don't want to say right off the bat, Hey, I choose to forgive you. Like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> like you haven't really talked about all the hurt, you know, no, forgive and forget Jeremy. You got to forgive. Yeah, and forget. Yeah, yeah. Time will there keep wounds. There you go. Full circle. Um, Full circle. I guess I have to go on a, one more little rant before we wrap up. Um, Another pet peeve of mine that's not in the Bible is forgive yourself. Mm. Now I get the idea that you shouldn't be like judging yourself or, or condemning yourself. 
Um, but I know like for me, what is effective is actually confessing to God hmm. versus forgiving yourself. Hmm. And then God will forgive you and then you could love yourself. Hmm. But that could be a, more of a confession uh, podcast episode. But, but I, I do think you should not like love yourself in the, in the sense that you should have self-worth and be appreciative of who you are. But, but sometimes people have done something that they're so guilty of. And then the advice is to forgive yourself. Okay, maybe. Uh, but I think if you receive the love of God and the forgiveness of God, you'll be able to understand that his love will transform you. And then you can be comfortable in your own skin. I know. Right. Okay. Um, so, but, but uh, I think that's more of the, the conversation of what confession truly is. Mm. Um, but just like the principle of forgiveness, you have to be in tune with your emotion, process it, and then uh, choose to forgive what's really happening. I think the same thing is with confession, except you right. have to pray with someone else and be like, okay, this is where I did something wrong. Right. Um, and both confession and forgiveness are so essential for there to be authentic reconciliation. I think there's probably a whole, I mean, as we kind of talk it out, there's probably a whole constellation of ideas and concepts and virtues that belong under that umbrella of love. So we're talking about forgiveness here, but mm -hmm. confession, confession is one. Um, generosity is another. Empathy is another. Like all these concepts kind of circulate under yeah. this umbrella of love. And so forgiveness is one of them. And forgiveness is is core because it's a posture of of, of willingness to um, take the hurt and sacrifice and wish well towards the other. It maintains that relationship that way. But there's all sorts of other ideas that are corollaries to it, like confession. Yeah, and and throughout Scripture, they're often connected, right? The Lord's Prayer: "Forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who who forgive against against us." Right. Or the parable of uh, someone being forgiven a huge debt and then wasn't able to forgive a small debt that was incurred to them. Right, um, right. And, and a judgment being on, the pers on that person who's like, didn't I just give you all this love? Didn't I just forgive you of this massive debt? How come you couldn't uh, forgive this small debt for this person? Right. Um, and then there's judgment on that person from God because they weren't able to forgive knowing that um, they're forgiven. Um, right. But the, so they're strongly connected because I think uh, underlying this idea of forgiving is to understand that God loves you and forgives you. And then understanding that you are loved and forgiven by a, a loving God is it makes it easier to know that he, this loving God is going to help you forgive those who, who, who hurt you. Right. right. Um, so it's, it, yeah, but, but I, I agree. It's, it's all the under this broader umbrella of, of just what it means to love people. If, if we are, if we are understanding that opening Whatever this, whatever this means, there's a whole nuance to the word, but in the beginning of the Bible in Genesis, there's this claim that we are made in God's image, that we're his image bearers, that we um, represent him, that we're given some agency over the world to kind of co-rule with him. And if that's the case, then it's built into who we are, that we would be like God in the way that he is loving to the point where he forgives and is compassionate. Yeah. That, that we would, that we would, steward our relationships with other people that we would that we would cultivate a community that actually lives out that lifestyle of forgiveness and compassion and empathy and all the other virtues that we've talked about but if it's rooted in in, in who god is then it's it's rooted in our identity as as human beings made as image bearers and i think maybe sometimes we 
divorce that where we say, you know, that's good for God, but I'm just a human. Right. <laughs> so I, I can't forgive, you know, like God forgives, but it's part of our family heritage that we would be um, a community of genuine, unique forgiveness. Yeah. And uh, just like practically speaking, um, I'm someone who does like the deliverance ministry and have seen physical healings happen. Um, and oftentimes for the Holy Spirit to work in a powerful way, um, if the person that is receiving prayer does not forgive, uh, God won't free the person um, from like an unclean spirit or uh, allow a physical healing to take place. And I know that may sound a little out there for some viewers, uh, but there's like a real practical component to all this to do ministry like Jesus. Um, if there's unforgiveness, um, uh, healing cannot come, whether it's emotional, spiritual, or physical. Um, and uh, it, is, it is like healing of your whole personhood. Mm -hmm. It's that important. It's interesting if you go to the Psalms, uh, I'm thinking of Psalm 32 right now. I think one of the 50s is a, is a uh, reconstruction of Psalm 32. I think 51 maybe, but it's off. I can't remember. But Psalm 32 actually makes the point that the psalmist is likely who was David, um, refused to give his sin over to God and held it in and that it actually affects him physically. Like he says, my bones were breaking within me and like he he just his whole body couldn't bear the brunt of him holding in his sin against god and his neighbor so there is a there is a holistic kind of yeah it's all framework under which we understand it our bodies our spirit our soul everything is sort of interconnected in this embodied presence mm -hmm. we have in the world so um so yeah there is a an element of physical healing and and release that comes from forgiveness yeah yeah it's so, it's so so it's so again it's just as important as passing or dribbling it's like one of the the staples of being a loving person is this ability to 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 forgive um and it just it just allows god the holy spirit to work in in, in the life of the society uh and the individual um, and it's, it's really the power and what makes Christianity extreme is this idea of forgiving someone who has hurt you. Right. This is what it means to be a radical Christian is to love your enemy. Right. Right. And we've made so many other benchmarks to define radical Christianity, whatever that means. Like we've made it about some specific doctrine or some specific form of church or some specific tr tradition that we need to hold to, but, but there's nothing more radical about being a Jesus follower than uh, loving God with all your heart and soul and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself, even when that neighbor is an enemy. Yeah. And I'm looking to like the Bible when Jesus is on the cross, forgive them father for they do not know what they're doing. And then when, when right. even is being martyred, the first martyr of the church, he's doing a similar thing. Right. Give them father. Right. Um, right. And that's, that's very intentional too. In that story in Acts, it's actually supposed to remind you of Jesus's crucifixion. And so that Christians even die like Jesus dies. Right. Right. And uh, it's the, it's the love we have because Jesus did that for us. Therefore we must do it to other people. Um, right. Right. And it's hard, but that's why we need community. That's why we need to 
not like pretend like it's not hard. Right. Uh, but with God's help and having community where this is practiced, um, it, it'll happen. It'll, it does right. happen. Right. Right. Anyway, I have one more zip sip left of my coffee. This episode is brought to you by an espresso, uh, the Cuban uh, variety. Yeah, I'm out. I actually finished like halfway through. So, so we 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 talked about Nespresso and preparing a rich uh, premarital counseling program. Uh, we have there no sponsors, go. but if anyone out there wants to sponsor this podcast, <laughs> Hydro Flask, if you're Hydro Flask is okay. <laughs> I'll take an, um, I'll take a free hydro flask if you're listening. Yes. Oh yeah. Okay. I think we have more than three listeners now, which is kind of encouraging from where we started off. Uh, <laughs> we're really grateful that you've, that people are listening to our conversations. Uh, and we just thank you for listening. Um, remember that uh, walk through the steps of forgiveness with someone else. Don't do this by yourself. That's another uh, important mm-hmm. thing about the Christian faith is not only to forgive, and confess but to to do this with other people um right because it's not easy it's and dangerous actually it, if you it's very dangerous yeah. yeah uh because especially processing your own emotion uh without someone to help you with that uh it could be very very dangerous right um so anyway so i hope this encourages everyone to forgive if you have any comments or questions about what we talked about um please use the comment section whether on youtube or facebook um, comment below and uh, we thank you for watching stay caffeinated share this podcast if you think it'll be helpful for someone uh, please like or subscribe to our channel we want to grow this uh, uh, podcast as much as possible and uh, if you have any guests that you know that would love to be a good conversation partner uh, please let us know as well thank you for watching stay caffeinated my friends and uh, be blessed uh, know that the Lord has forgiven you go forgive other people All right. Take care.